I'm Brian Kilmeade. I'm Martha McCallum. I'm David Asman, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Friday, September 25th, 2020. I'm Trey Inks. After entering a second countrywide lockdown earlier this month, Israel tightened restrictions again today. What the government is, is trying to do is to stop uh, mass gatherings, uh, stop people from physically coming together uh, like they have been over in previous months after the, the country was opened up. This is the Fox News Rundown, global pandemic. In the past 24 hours, Israel saw more than 7,000 new cases of COVID-19. The country is struggling with a massive second wave of the virus. Over the next few minutes, you'll get the latest headlines on the global COVID-19 outbreak and hear from Neri Zilber, a journalist and adjunct fellow at the Washington Institute for Neri's Policy. Starting first in India, where more than 5.8 million cases of COVID-19 have been reported since the outbreak first began. With more than 70,000 daily cases, officials are having trouble flattening the curve. Despite more than a million tests being conducted each day, the massive population, along with difficulties in social distancing, have made it hard to see light at the end of the tunnel. Now to China, where the COVID-19 pandemic first started. Chinese officials said today the country aims to make one billion doses of the coronavirus vaccine next year. The World Health Organization has reportedly given China its support in an emergency vaccine program. This comes as local transmission remains virtually non-existent now, with nearly all new cases coming to China from abroad. Finally, in Israel, the government imposed tighter restrictions on residents today, amid a second lockdown. Israel has seen more than 200,000 total cases. With spiking cases and overwhelmed hospitals, coronavirus has made existing political problems even worse. So what will these new restrictions look like? I think politics played a big role in where Israel finds itself at the moment, which, uh, as you know, is now uh, in a real full nationwide lockdown. This is Neri Zilber, a journalist and adjunct fellow at the Washington Institute for Neri's Policy. He joins us today from Tel Aviv. Uh, it's expected to last for two weeks, but that's likely an optimistic assessment. Uh, it could go longer, four to six weeks uh, to get the numbers down from where they are right now, which is uh, really the highest per capita infection rate uh, in the world. Uh, and this is a stark contrast to where Israel was at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, late February, early March, uh, where Israel was actually a success story. Uh, Israel shut down the country uh, fairly early and fairly quickly. Uh, the numbers were, were really low and really manageable, uh, maybe a dozen cases a day uh, compared to what we have now, which is uh, 7,000 a day. And so Israel, uh, back in the spring, had a very successful six-week lockdown and came out of it and really just reopened uh, way too quickly. Um, that's that's kind of the, the epidemiological and, and health point of it. Uh, but then you had the politics. And uh, obviously, the government that was formed uh, in May uh, with the express purpose of handling the pandemic, uh, both the health component and the economic component, uh, really uh, spent the summer, most of the summer, uh, doing everything but that. Uh, legislative battles, uh, battles inside the government uh, between Prime Minister Netanyahu and his and his new coalition partners, uh, the annexation bid of the West Bank, uh, and so on and so forth. And really the, the handling of the pandemic came in second or third or fourth. And really uh, that that's big picture how Israel got to where it is right now. I want to dive a little bit deeper into that. But first... Can you give us an overview of what these new restrictions are going to look like? And do you think Israelis will actually follow the rules? I think 
this has been something many people are talking about when it comes to a lockdown is that Israel was supposed to be in its second lockdown already, but it didn't actually look like that on the ground. What will the new restrictions entail, and do you think that they will actually work? Right. So the new restrictions are pretty draconian uh, in terms of what we've had previously, although not that different from the lockdown in the spring. So most businesses are closed, although essential businesses are will remain open. Uh, there is a limit, at least ostensibly, a uh, kilometer limit, uh, leaving the home for most of the public, uh, tr- public transportation, extremely limited. Uh, so really, people are, are being urged to stay at home. Uh, a lot of the country, uh, both private sector and even public sector uh, and, and other services are, are closed. And so what the government is, is trying to do is to stop uh, mass gatherings, uh, stop people from physically coming together uh, like they have been over in previous months after the, the country was opened up, and and through that try to bring the numbers down. Uh, will Israelis actually obey it? I, I think overall, yes. Uh, there were concerns uh, about a week, week and a half ago before uh, an initial lockdown was put in place that there would be kind of civil disobedience, uh, rebellion by uh, small business owners, shopkeepers, uh, protesters that have been taken to the streets, uh, primarily in Jerusalem against the against Netanyahu and against, against the government. Uh, all of that seems rather subdued at the moment. Uh, you know, come back and talk to me in three to four weeks when, when the lockdown is getting a bit old and, and a bit more difficult. Difficult, especially economically, uh, but I think on the whole, Israelis will will follow the rules um, because I think, uh, at, you know, finally, I would say, uh, the government and various other health experts and other public figures are really pressing home the point that that it's unsustainable. It's unsustainable to to move forward uh, like Israel has done with these kinds of numbers. You mentioned before the emergency government that was formed and. At first, it seemed like an optimistic view that you would have a blue and white Likud and ministers who generally wouldn't agree on anything come together for the betterment of the country and putting public health above these political battles that we've seen play out in Israel. And that just wasn't the case. And it's it's really divulged into this situation where you have people you would expect working together on a pandemic like COVID-19 completely and publicly calling each other out saying that this isn't the right approach and that the prime minister is making these decisions in order to, for example, get protesters quelled and, and stop being in the streets against him as it relates to an ongoing corruption trial and other uh, political points that residents in Israel aren't happy about. How did we get here? And, and, how can you move forward when you have a coronavirus czar like Ronnie Gamzu who isn't necessarily agreeing with the actions by the government, but the government moving forward regardless with this second lockdown that may or may not actually be successful for Israel? Yeah, I mean, a lot to unpack there. I'll, I'll just start off by giving a bit of context. Uh, you know, as you know, Trey, because uh, we were here covering it, uh, Israel went through three elections in about 15 months. Uh, all of whom were fairly inconclusive. Uh, Netanyahu didn't win, uh, neither did his primary rivals in the Blue and White Party. Uh, but ultimately, back in back in March and April, they they put aside their differences uh, in the midst of the pandemic 
uh, again, for the express purpose of, of tackling both the health and economic fallout uh, from, from COVID. And so you had uh, politicians, uh, senior politicians, uh, including Netanyahu, uh, looking at the camera, making public speeches and saying, okay, this is the time to put politics aside and uh, to come together for the betterment of, of the entire country. Uh, and that arguably did not last very long. Uh, very quickly after the government was formed in May, uh, you saw squabbling over uh, the, the guidelines for what the government would actually do, uh, ministerial appointments, uh, various uh, maneuvers and legislation coming out of parliament, uh, annexation as well. There were differences of opinion about that. And so it kind of deteriorated uh, throughout the summer. And where you have now uh, kind of open clashes, verbal clashes, uh, between Netanyahu supporters in the government and blue and white uh, ministers in the government. And they're both, uh, again, in the same government. Uh, that didn't help, uh, to put it mildly, but a, a more sinister or more uh, important concern, I think, for Netanyahu, and this touches on your point about the corruption trial, um, Netanyahu really, in order to uh, keep a hold of his political base and his political uh, supporters, uh, really is beholden to the ultra-Orthodox parties here in Israel. Uh, they're, they make a big, they're, they're a big part of Netanyahu's uh own coalition, his own personal coalition. And so when it came time to, uh, in theory, put these ultra-Orthodox towns and cities in Israel uh, in lockdown because the numbers were so high and they were major hotspots, and health experts were, were arguing that this is necessary in order to bring the numbers down, uh, Netanyahu delayed uh, and then really didn't actually implement that kind of lockdown for political reasons. Uh, and so uh, instead of a kind of differentiated by geography and, uh, and COVID numbers, approach uh they took a nationwide approach and uh and i think israel is uh is where it's at primarily or in large part because of that reason you've been listening to neary zilber a journalist and adjunct fellow at the washington institute for neary's policy we'll be right back you had a piece out in the daily beast last week and you said netanyahu in washington may look to all the world like a strong statesman making international deals, but the view from Israel is vastly different. And you were referencing this peace deal signed earlier this month with Israel, Bahrain, and the UAE. And I was hoping you could give our listeners some backdrop to the ongoing political and health crisis that's happening in Israel. How does this play into Netanyahu's efforts to try to divert attention away from some of the ongoing problems the country faces and do you think that he will be successful in the bid to do so right i think it might come as a surprise to to listeners who aren't in israel right now that uh netanyahu is actually in in kind of tough shape politically here at home uh, and that stands in sharp contrast to what we saw uh you know even last week uh in washington uh at the white house when uh these legitimately historic peace deals were being signed between israel uh, and Bahrain and the United Arab Emirates uh, via uh, U.S. mediation, and so you see Netanyahu uh, arrive at the White House and and uh, signing these deals and, and making uh, these these momentous uh, kind of historical speeches, uh, while at the very same time uh, the the country at home was preparing uh, for a lockdown and watching the COVID numbers tick up and looking at unemployment tick up. Uh, it's near 20% at the moment. Uh, it might go over that. 
uh, during the course of, of the lockdown. Uh, you walk down the streets of Tel Aviv and other cities, and there are for rent signs uh, in shops uh, all across the main, the main streets. And so that, that was uh, the real contradiction, uh, that Netanyahu really, in the midst of, of uh, a major health and economic crisis at home, uh, was flying to Washington and signing these deals. Uh, now you can, you can debate the timing. Uh, you can, you can say that it wasn't uh, uh, the correct time to do it. Uh, I, you know, I don't know when a good time would be not to sign those kinds of peace deals. Uh, but really, for Netanyahu himself politically, uh, less attention were, was paid to those to those diplomatic dealings than really kind of uh, you know kitchen table concerns back at home. And so the timing for Netanyahu uh, was likely, uh, so there's an ongoing debate. The timing wasn't great to, to have these diplomatic breakthroughs because the attention at home wasn't quite there. Uh, but on the flip side, uh, you know, you can only imagine what shape Netanyahu would be in back at home if, if he didn't have at least these, these diplomatic victories to kind of hold up there and say, okay, I'm still, uh, I'm still an effective leader, I'm still an effective prime minister, I'm still a statesman uh, on a global scale. Uh, and while all that is correct, uh, the situation at home is, is I would argue, uh, deteriorating. Absolutely. And look, your political analysis, especially right now, is, is so critical for people in the United States, readers and listeners around the world, to really understand what's going on on the ground here. And you know I'm a big fan of your work covering Gaza and the West Bank that. as well. So Neri Zilber, a journalist and adjunct fellow at the Washington Institute for Near East Policy. Neri, thanks again for your time. Thank you for having me on, Trey. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.